Hi everyone, my name is Bahar. I am recording this for the very first time. This is my very first podcast episode. Um, I finally just sat down and pressed record. I don't have too many structured thoughts tonight. I kind of just wanted to get started and introduce myself and then see where it goes. Um, but basically... I have recorded an episode for Natural Thoughts and Talks where they invited me to talk about pole dancing, the entertainment industry, um, female sensuality, sexuality, female empowerment, and my job of working as an entertainer. Um, and I th felt really inspired afterwards to start my own podcast which I've kind of been wanting to do for a long time now um, where I can just talk about the insights that I gain from being a stripper things that I learn about human psychology about people's um, insecurities um, the insecurities of men and women how we deal with our insecurities Um, the power dynamics that go on in the strip club and oftentimes um, can teach us about power dynamics between the genders in society. Um, there is a lot to learn from this little ecosystem of the strip club. Um, and I think that I've accumulated a lot of insights over the months that I've been doing this. And I feel ready to share my stories, share my insights um, with whoever is interested in learning about um, this kind of subject. Um, it's probably going to be mostly me telling stories of things that happen at work um, and things that I observe on a regular basis patterns that I observe and yeah I'm just gonna rant <laughs> on here and I hope that it's interesting for anyone out there um, I apologize if my voice is really raspy um, that is one like problem that I'm struggling with um, with this job because I obviously need to talk to customers and the music is so loud my god the music is especially on fridays and saturdays they really turn up the music so it's basically nightclub volume level and then you're supposed to still have a conversation with people so i need to yell i basically need to yell in people's ears and um, i always end up losing my voice And it's um, really annoying. So I'm drinking some tea <clears throat> and hoping that my voice is accept acceptable. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm gonna introduce myself a little bit. First, my name is Bahar. I am 26 years old. I'm about to turn 27 very soon. Um, I started dancing back in August of 
2022. <laughs> it's 2024 now, so I had to think for a second. Excuse me. Yes, August 2022. So it's been about a year and a half now that I've been doing this job. And... Um, Let's see. I grew up in Germany. I'm like trying to think how can I tell tell my story best. I grew up in Germany um, as a first generation immigrant. My parents are both Turkish, and I did my undergrad in film in Germany, and then I came over here to the U.S. for my master's in film. Um, I studied film in San Francisco at an art school. I managed to come here on two scholarships and I had three minimum wage jobs. It was quite the miracle that I was able to come here to study because both my parents are very like middle class low, low lower middle class working working class people so my my mom um growing up used to work in like bakeries or grocery stores as a cashier right now she works as um at an optometrist as an assistant um my dad you um worked at the same factory for over 30 years um and yeah they're just very simple working working class people so they couldn't support me in a master's abroad um but basically my my senior thesis film of my undergrad um won a couple of awards at film festivals in Los Angeles And so my uncle told me, why don't you apply for your master's in California? And I said, well, um, because they're super expensive. <laughs> um, and he said, well, yeah, they are, but you can also get a really good scholarship in the U.S. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it a try. Um, I applied at a couple of universities and... I got into CalArts, which was like the school of my dreams, but I couldn't attend because they gave me too little of a scholarship. Um, but I also got in at California College of the Arts in San Francisco, and they were so kind to bump up my scholarship um, so that I was able to come over. Um, and yeah, I... I did my first year, well, yeah, my first um, year on three minimum wage jobs on campus. I was running around um, like crazy, going from class to my job to my other job to going home, working on homework, presentations, projects. I was so overworked um, and... At some point, um, summer break rolled by and I couldn't afford to live on campus anymore because they bumped up the rent um, for the dorms over the summer, which is really nasty. What an asshole move, by the way. 
Um, I think that's so, yeah, I think that's really disgusting move to do, but that's another topic. Um, but yeah, I had to move out. I had to find a room in the city. San Francisco's housing market is insane. So I went on Facebook Marketplace and I found this really shady Facebook ad for a room in the back of like, um, I don't know how many bedrooms this had, one, two, three, like a four bedroom, five bedroom apartment. And they basically just rented out the back room um, and it was a thousand dollars. I paid this guy $1,000 in cash to move into the back room and still I was struggling really hard. So August rolled by and I didn't know how to pay my rent anymore. Um, and so I had been pole dancing for, at that time I think I had been pole dancing for a little over a year, a year and a half or so, um, in the studio. I started pole dancing back in 2020 in Berlin, um, but it was just like a hobby and I would go like maybe once a week, you know, um, and eventually took it more seriously and I trained a couple times a week. I would go to classes a couple times a week um, and it just became my big passion. Um, it empowered me so much um, to explore this sensual sexy side of me that I always knew was in me but I had always been like repressing it because I was always shamed for my sexuality um, since I was really young um, my family is quite conservative. They never, you know, they never talked about sex or sexuality or anything like that. It was quite taboo. Um, it was never spoken of. And then just like generally the culture um, that I grew up in, the Turkish culture, women are um, generally supposed to be more demure more um you know uh humble and not attracting any attention um not um being too provocative etc um i actually my my mom never wore the hijab so i didn't i wasn't raised that strict um when it comes to wearing a hijab and I could wear whatever I wanted in terms of clothes so it wasn't too um it wasn't too bad for me in terms of that aspect um but still like the culture that I grew up in was definitely um more centered around demure women that stay in the shadows um and then I always kind of was aware that I'm a pretty sexy person. I um, My boobs came in quite early growing up and I always had like an hourglass curvy figure um, and I started noticing quite early on that people saw me as this 
sexy, sexy, <laughs> sexy in a sexual way. You know, people started noticing my boobs and staring at them, and I felt so ashamed. And I just felt like I don't know. I just felt like it was this curse that I that I looked this type of way and I had that I had this sexual allure this energy about me it felt like a curse because whenever I felt people noticing me in that way I just felt so ashamed and I felt like something was wrong with me I felt like you know I was being told that I shouldn't attract attention in that way but yet I still couldn't help myself like I couldn't help it but attract attention in that way and so I felt like something was wrong with me I felt really ashamed um I had body image issues um but also just was hiding this side of me this sexy this dark feminine power that um I think every woman holds I was hiding it, I was repressing it, even though I knew that I had it and that it actually was really strong in me. Um, I just felt really ashamed of it. And so 2020, 2020 rolled by, <laughs> um, or I guess 2019, I started exercising, I started going to the gym, um, I lost a lot of weight, became more athletic. But, um, and, and that um, did raise my confidence. Um, I felt more confident in my body. Um, but I kind of started being bored of going to the gym. It was always like the same repetitive exercises. And um, I kind of was over it. But I still wanted to continue to exercise. Um, so pole was a great way to combine both weightlifting and and um, this kind of gym exercise with dance. I always danced since I was a little child. Um, I started like kids ballet when I was four and then I did like jazz and I did hip-hop for a long time and contemporary um, and all these different dance forms even did like some latin dance like salsa bachata um and up until i was like 18 and then i kind of quit um so i was missing the dance aspect and so i was like why not start try this out you know pole seems to combine those two things um so i went to my first pole class didn't know what to expect at all I had no expectations. I kind of honestly thought that I was going to go to this class and just try it out once and be like, okay, I tried that. <laughs> you know, I can check this off in my checklist <laughs> and never come back. But it was just an instant, um, yeah, I instantly fell in love with it. I loved the challenge that pole, um it's such a challenge for your body but also your mind because you know some of these shapes like it's it's you have to be brave I mean you are hanging upside down on a spinning stick <laughs> you know um 
So I really loved the challenge that it imposed and the discipline you needed to have to get better. But at the same time, you can really see quite quick, steady results if you put in the work. And that's something I really loved about pole. And so I kept taking classes and um, that's when around that time when the pandemic um, rolled around and so I couldn't go to the studio anymore but I got a pole for at home so I had only been taking classes for about a month when the pandemic um, became severe so I got a pole best decision of my life because I feel like taking online classes and training at home allowed me to um, train in a safe space and that's where I also started my heels journey. So I ordered my first pair of heels. I saw, you know, some instructors dancing in heels and I was like, hmm, this looks cool. This looks fun. I want to do this. Um, So... I went on the pleaser website and I got these like six inch black um, heels (laughs) with um, black straps, like super cute, kind of not the style that I would go for anymore. But, you know, I, I had no idea and I honestly just went with the first thing that I saw and I it was I was just so inexperienced and like I had no idea what I was getting myself into but um yeah my first pair of heels arrived I put them on and and I just remember feeling like wow this is like amazing like I feel so tall and empowered and strong and and I really feel like I'm tapping I'm finally tapping into this side of me that I had been repressing for so long this side of me that is sexy and confident and the side of me that is aware of my my the power that I hold as a woman and as um, a sexual being and a sensual being and um it really um it was like I don't know it did something some switch was you know flipped inside of me and I I went on this journey that I little did I know back then when I was dancing in my tiny little crappy little studio apartment in my little heels little did I know that I was gonna change completely like entirely like that girl is not me anymore um at all you know I have transformed completely thanks to pole um thanks to dancing in heels and and sexy dancing so i am eternally grateful i think <laughs> oh sorry need another sip of my tea i actually think that ordering these heels um was probably one of the most important life-changing decisions of my life which is pretty incredible um so yeah I I started dancing at home um and 
this was around the time that I parallel started applying for universities. Um, I got my scholarship, etc. Came over to the U.S., um, moved into a dorm with three other girls, and I remember thinking, oh "My gosh, I hope they, you know, I hope they don't mind that I have a pole, and because I wanted to install it in there, you know, and I um, didn't have room." in my actual bedroom because they were quite small um but the apartment was like um spacious living room with the kitchen and uh two bathrooms and then like really small bedrooms for everybody so i set up my pole and obviously i asked everybody first and two of my roommates were really like yes oh my gosh wow like i've always wanted to learn that's awesome and then one of them was more um, hesitant, but she agreed to it. She said it was okay. And yeah, I continued to practice every day. I would practice in the morning before class. And it honestly made me feel so good to put on my heels first thing in the morning and just and dance and freestyle and then go to class. It made me feel... I, I carried myself completely different. I walked differently. Um, I just had so much more confidence and shine. And so, yeah, that was, um, that was that era. And then actually those two roommates kind of eventually started, it, it, it became a strange dynamic where I felt like they started resenting me and, um, there was just trouble with them and they, there was, uh, started to be conflict. So I moved, um, to a different dorm, um, where I lived with these, um, foreign students from China. It was one, two, three, um, three girls again, and they were younger. They were like 18 cause they were undergrad students um and <laughs> they were like they agreed they said no problem for me to have the poll but they were like so like oh my gosh like just their jaw would drop when they see me <laughs> they would come out you know really sleepy in the morning like at 11 a.m they would wake up quite late come to the living room and see me like hanging upside down on one leg you know on the pole wearing a bikini and they would be like oh my gosh <laughs> Oh, so funny to think back to that. Um, but yeah, so um, long story short, I then over the summer moved into my crappy little room. And um, there is a really creepy story um, that happened in that room because I lived with um, this like... Chinese family they were it was um an old guy who was like in his 70s and his wife and then his brother um and a random other tenant that they rented out a room to who lived in that apartment and the guy's brother was he was probably like in his 60s old man um and he I I would always make sure to keep my room shut because I didn't want them to see my pole in the room because I knew that they were probably going to 
um, make assumptions and they were already kind of strange. Um, so I just didn't want to make it, um, I didn't want to make it a thing. Um, but then one day my blinds broke and I had to ask for help to get the blinds fixed. Um, so the brother came in and he saw my pole and since that day i'm telling you he changed completely and it was so disgusting he started hitting on me he started kind of just giving me weird looks offering me offering to take me to dinner um it was very strange and then one day he said he said to me if I give you money, can I come into your room? And I was just so shook that he would that he would have the audacity to first of all assume whatever assumptions he made because he saw my poll um, that I would be willing to sleep with him for money. Um, and second of all, I'm his tenant. I live with him. Like the audacity to make me uncomfortable like that. It was just disgusting. And I told him, obviously I told him no. I told him that I I am disgusted and shook. And I said, I told him to stay away from me. And it sadly, he kept, like, he would kept persistent. And he would, like, knock on my window and things like that. And it, it was just horrible. And one day, I... When it, I came out of the bathroom, it was 11 p.m. at night. It was already dark out. I came out and I turned off the light and he's standing there in front of me in the hallway. In the dark, I can barely see him. And he's holding up money and he said, I told you I was going to give you money. And I was so, in that moment, I was, I felt scared I felt shocked. I felt angry. And I told him, get away from me or I'm going to scream. That's what I said. And which I'm in retrospect, looking back, I'm very proud of myself for getting those words out in that moment because I was much further behind in my empowerment journey back then. So very proud of myself. Um, but yeah, he reacted by saying he was like, I can't believe he was like surprised, startled. He was like, oh, really? He, he like didn't understand why I was shocked. And um, I said yes. And I walked past him. My heart was beating so fast. I went in my room. I locked the door. And yeah, that was that. I think that was like about three weeks before I moved out so I was like fuck am I gonna try to find a different place now I have three weeks left before school starts um and so yeah I passed the I I passed the three weeks by never leaving my room keeping at all times my door locked um keeping my blinds down it was not a good time at all um, but yeah, at the same time, this is like a little tangent, a uh, little anecdote that I wanted to, that I had to tell, but at this, 
around the same time that I was living there, I started, um, I auditioned at my first club. And the way that happened was I, it was August and I was late on my paying rent, didn't know how to pay rent. Um, and I had met this girl on Instagram and I don't even remember how I met her to be honest. Um, but she told me that she was going to come to the city to audition at a club tomorrow. And that was, um, I believe a Thursday. And I said, say less, I'm coming with you (laughs) because I knew that I was never going to have the courage to go alone so she came um and it was cute it was fun we went to um we went to an outfit store we bought like a cute little outfit and we bought like lashes and we got ready at, in my room together and then we went there together but you know I didn't really take it too seriously and um I remember um, we both took a shot even <laughs> before we actually went in for our nerves. And so like the audition, obviously it went okay. Um, but they didn't end up hiring us. And we also had, we also auditioned at like the most high end strict club, gold club. Um, so, um, they, they're like, already super selective with who they hire and so we got turned down and the next day I was like I have a feeling that I need to go alone and I'm gonna get hired and I was like okay I broke the ice I have the courage now I'm gonna go tonight I'm just gonna I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it (laughs) and so I put on my makeup packed my bag and I went to this club called Condor because I had heard good things about it from my pool trainer um, who had been a dancer in San Francisco for over a decade and she knew all of the clubs and she told me that it's a it's a good club and quite stage heavy and that's like that was what I was looking forward to the most was performing on stage so I went and I remember the manager um, told me that they're not um, hiring today. And I was like, oh my gosh, no. Because I remember like I sat in a bus for an hour, went across town. You know, I did my makeup for an hour. Like I did all of this. And so I was like, oh no, like I came from all the way across town. I was really hoping I could audition. And God bless, for some reason, he then said, okay, We'll bring the manager in, get changed. So I got changed and I remember I could tell the DJ what kind of music I wanted to audition to, which was great. And I had three songs, which is really nice. That's a long audition. Um, and so, yeah, I remember dancing and just feeling so good about myself like I obviously was a part of me was self-conscious and nervous but the most part of me was just like yes this feels 
great. I feel badass. <laughs> um, and I just had so much fun. I was doing hair flicks and, 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 and pole tricks. And it was so much fun. And the manager pulled me aside afterwards and told me that um, he doesn't have a pole girl yet. And that he would hire me. And yeah, that was that. And the rest is history. <laughs> um, that club became my home, my second home, truly. I went there um, about three times a week, three, four times a week. Um, and it was just such, it was the perfect starter club because it's kind of small everybody knows each other the managers are super friendly um both vip hosts are like um these young ish dudes you know that i always saw as my brothers they were very protective of us um the managers were all very respectful um they would hold our our hands like help us on stage by holding our hand you know, little things like that. They would sweep our money. They would not make us crawl on the floor and pick up our money. Like, little things like that matter a lot, I think. Um, and it was just such a great environment to start out in. And the house mom, oh my gosh, I miss her so much. Shout out, Danny. Whoever listened to this, <laughs> I love you. I miss you. She was the best. She would like, um, bring fresh fruits for the locker room she would help us like fix our outfits if like a strap went you know loose or um, little things like that you know and we could always count on her um, we could bitch about the customers with her <laughs> she was just so great um, so I loved my era as Tokyo so much um, that was my dancer name at Condor. I loved those. How many months was I there? I started in August and I left San Francisco in May. So, ten months. I was there for about ten months, almost a year. Um, and man, did I love that place to death. Um, yeah, and then I graduated um, my master's. And boy, was that a stressful time. That's another story. Um, I was so burnt out. Um, but yeah, I was doing really well financially at that time. I was making really good money. Um, and disclaimer, I, I probably should have said this in the beginning, but I think this is a good moment, um, to give a little disclaimer because in this podcast, I'm going to talk about the good, bad, and the ugly of stripping. There are obviously very good and fun sides of it. Um, and there are, but there are also very, um, tough, it is a tough job with, a definitely an ugly side to it that not everybody can handle and it is not my intention to glamorize this job when I talk about 
the money that I make, when I talk about the fun that I had or the empowerment that I felt, I never intend to glamorize the job and make it seem like a one-sided, only fast cash, glamorous, amazing thing because it is not. Um, I want to make very clear and it will, trust me, (laughs) Um, I will probably talk more about the bad sides than the good sides. Um, It will become very clear that it is not just fun and games. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there. But yeah, I was doing really well financially. Um, And it was it was really amazing what that did to me because I did not grow up um, having much. I honestly, if I think back to my childhood, even getting birthday gifts was not usual. So it was kind of like special if I got, if I actually got, you know, like an actual gift for birthdays. Um, I We did not celebrate Christmas. We did not celebrate Easter. You know, none of that. I would not get crazy pocket money or anything like that. Um, I started working at 16. You know, I had my first job. I think I was almost, I was 15, almost 16 when I started working at a restaurant. So I, I had, I always had to work for my money and I always had to budget and I always had to kind of live more conservatively. And I didn't realize how much of a, um, poverty mentality that I had until I started making money and was able to live in abundance in more of abundance energy that was when I realized how much my thinking was um how much it affected my mindset um in all different areas of life you know little things from being at the grocery store never choosing the branded products always going for the sale instinctively um always taking the bus, never allowing myself to take an Uber, um, so many different things that I noticed about me shifted when I started having more money. And so I loved that era. (laughs) That was a great time. I started, you know, um, treating myself to mani-pedis or massages um, and things like that. I was able to DoorDash, you know, that's another thing. I would never order food, you know, because that's like, (laughs) for poor people, that's, you know, that's a killer of your budget. You know, all the freaking fees and the tips and you you put a meal for $15 in your cart, but you end up paying like $38, you know. Um, So, yeah, I was able to DoorDash myself food when I wanted to. Um, and little things like that. And so when I graduated, I went on a trip to Hawaii. Um, I treated myself to a very nice trip that I honestly so deserved because I was working really hard. Um, I was so burnt out. I needed that trip so bad. Um, but yeah, so I went on a trip to Hawaii um then I 
Then I was supposed to do a full USA road trip. I wanted to do like a trip across the entire states. Um, and I wanted to travel dance and I actually did. But I'm going to do a separate podcast episode on that because there's so much to talk about. And I honestly kind of just wanted to give an overview of my story in this episode. I have no idea how many minutes I'm in. But um, so yeah, I went on a cross-country road trip. Did not finish it though. Things were not going as I expected at all. And again, I'm going to do a separate episode on this. Um, I lost a bunch of money. Um, I did not like certain environments. I That trip, I got to see a lot more of the ugly side of dancing because little did I know that leaving the comfort of my home club, this, you know, staple, um, legendary, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very old club. So Condor is the first topless bar of America since 1965, uh, founded by Carol Doda, the first topless dancer. Um, it's just, um, it's a cultural hub, you know, um, and so the place was very wholesome. It was kind of like a dive bar where everybody knew each other. And our manager, Joey, would always say, if you took the show cheers and made it into a strip club, it would be the Condor. <laughs> and I actually was there when we won legacy status at City Hall. Um, so yeah, it was just a really nice environment. So little did I know coming from that environment into travel dancing that it was obviously not going to be like that in other clubs. So I um, ended my trip early um, and I flew to Turkey to visit my grandma. Um, and when I came back, I was really, really broke. I had lost so much money. I knew I needed an apartment. I was homeless, <laughs> living out of a suitcase. My funds were going low. And so I only knew I wanted to move to Los Angeles. And I I remember I booked an Airbnb with my last budget. And I had the Airbnb for seven days. So I knew I needed to find an apartment within seven days. And I wasn't even, I'm not even a citizen. So I don't have a credit score. So that made it so much harder um, to find a place because I couldn't, I couldn't just, you know, go to any big company that rents out, um, you know, those corporate kind of, um, apartment rentals because they always required a good credit score and mine was non-existent so I that was a very scary time of my life I was very I was in a very dark place and I kind of felt like I kind of felt like the universe didn't have my back anymore but I knew that I had to persist and I had to keep going so I got lucky that the apartment I live in now um I the way I found it was I actually applied for a different apartment in Inglewood in a pretty shady 
neighborhood um but it was all i could afford it was a facebook marketplace ad um i applied for it and the landlord um was persian well is persian they're my landlord right now (laughs) um and they had compassion for my situation because they too are immigrants um and so they know the struggle and he told me look i might have something better for you in a better neighborhood and so i got to move into a beautiful little one bedroom it happened that the girl who was living there wanted to move in with her boyfriend break her lease so they told her she could break her lease if she found a replacement um and that was me so it just worked out great i could move in a week later um i signed my lease went back to san francisco wow what a time when i think about it now like i was so strong going through this period i went and took all of my stuff out of my little storage um and i shoved it all into a little moving truck all by myself nobody helped me um and yeah i drove that moving truck all the way down to la on the day on the night of a full moon i remember like when when i arrived it was late at night and this big old full moon and it just felt like it really felt like the start of a new chapter and i started out with the matches on the floor no furniture you know um classic (laughs) and i got my furniture from craigslist the essentials and i built my life and i auditioned in a new club here in la and um so that's where i'm at today i work in a club here in la um that is very different the hustle is very different in la um but i think this episode has been quite long so i think i should talk about that next episode um i'll talk about how the hustle is different in different places um and that obviously depends on who are every city has their wealthy obviously their wealthy clients so in san francisco that was the tech guys and in la it's more like artists rappers producers people of the entertainment industry and so the hustle is very different so i'm going to talk about that next week because i think i've been talking for a long time and my voice actually hurts I need to go make another tea because I'm about to actually get ready for work. So I hope whoever, if anyone listened to this, I hope you enjoyed this. And I hope I um, was able to give a little taste of what I want to talk about. I kind of wanted to first just introduce myself and tell my story. And we're going to get into all the juicy things from here on so stay tuned and thank you so much for listening to my story i appreciate you and i'll talk to you really soon thank you bye